The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Hi. Well, um, I think the first thing I just want to say is uh, thank you for being here, for having a practice, and um, that Ukraine is on my mind. Um, And uh, so, you know, I just want to mention the people there that are in danger and being killed and even the Russian soldiers being killed and send Meta to to the world, right? And, um, you know, the practice of loving kindness or Metta, um, it's a series of four phrases generally spoken. Um, may you be safe and protected from inner and outer harm. May you be truly happy and deeply peaceful. May you be healthy and strong, and may you be at ease. And this is a just sort of a, a phrases we drop into our mind, and we can practice um, sending these wishes to others. Of course, it doesn't change the world outside, but it does change the world inside. And... Um, it's also the foundation for all of the Brahma Viharas to arise. So compassion arises from loving kindness. And equanimity, which we need, I think, arises with the foundation of loving kindness. So may we all kind of find in our, our hearts a way to connect with those wishes. And may the people be as safe as possible here and there and everywhere. Tonight I want to um, talk about a practice called RAFT, which is a, a mindfulness practice. And, um, and there's a lot of dharma in it, actually. Uh, just a ton of dharma in it. Um, one of the things that the practice can help us with is how to respond to suffering our own suffering. And uh, just as an inspiration, I'll share a short passage from Ajahn Chah. He says, uh, Peace is to be found within oneself, in the same place as agitation and suffering. It's not found in a forest or on a hilltop, nor is it given by a teacher. Where you experience suffering, you can also find freedom from suffering. And trying to run away from suffering is actually to run toward it. Brilliant line right there. I love that line. So what helps us turn toward suffering um, so that we actually find freedom are you know, the, the teachings of the Buddha and the practices the Buddha teaches us. In particular... Um, you know, there's the um, mindfulness, which was often the term that's used to translate sati. But um, actually, Gil's been talking lately about how 
uh, he sees the sati as more of an awareness that arises from practice. And I really uh, actually like that because it combines really well with this idea of building a raft of awareness. And there's a sutta that talks about the raft, the raft simile. Are you guys familiar with the raft simile? Yeah. So, so just to start, like, sort of um, this idea that, you know, we, the way we abide um, is what sort of creates uh, a raft of awareness, right? And so uh, the Buddha said, what is, what is right sati? Uh, here a monk abides, observing the body as body, and with ardency, clear comprehension, and an awareness, having put away covetousness and grief for the world. And I'll go into all of those pieces. Um, he says the same thing about abiding, observing feeling tones as feeling tones, mind states as mind states, and mind objects as mind objects. And with that repeated f- refrain of with ardency, clear comprehension, and awareness, having put away covetousness and grief for the world. So I'll really unpack that later. But um, so there's this, you know, clearly mindfulness isn't just this simple little thing. It's not just knowing. There's several components to it. Um, so, you know, when the Buddha is, you know, instructing his monastics to make an effort to develop sati or evaluate when it's evaluated if it's been developed in them he's you know telling them to engage in activities that actually strengthen the faculty of sati that we're doing things that help sati arise and um, so there's this acronym raft which I'll get to it's a, a practice that is a series of really incorporating um, all of the teachings around the ardency and clear comprehension and the um, awareness. But I love this, you know, idea of a raft and how the Buddha also talks about um, using a raft to help us cross the floods. So to me, it's just this beautiful melding of so many teachings in one thing. So... You know, what did the Buddha mean when he talked about crossing the floods? I'll just break it down. This is very basic, just, just, but I think it helps to kind of build, build us. The floods are emotions, thoughts, stories, states of mind, patterns, habits that keep us essentially submerged, drowning and suffering, you know, um, these forces. Um, and, you know, and then if you think about this, the floods are rivers, right? The rivers of our life. You know, um, that is essentially what the activities that we're doing that kind of increase the eddies and the the waterfalls and the the intensity of, uh, are you know grasping after things that we like, trying to push away things that we don't like, right? And, and in that process, maybe we have these moments of relief from suffering, but we end up, you know, it doesn't last long, and we end up back fighting in these currents, dealing with the greed, the hatred, the delusion, the stories that come out, and all of these images and stories that we tell ourselves. And, um, you know, 
This is, these are forces that are shared. This is the fuel for what's happening in Ukraine. This is the fuel that drives injustice in this country and hatred in this country everywhere. So it's a common humanity thing. And this practice is a beautiful way to try and get unhooked from these forces, to try and help us mitigate the impact on our minds and our lives. In this um, Majjhima Nikaya 22, it's actually, um, uh, what is it? It's the, I can't remember the name of it, but it's not the, the raft simile, it's like the snake simile. And the raft portion is a part of the sutta. And so uh, when the Buddha is talking about um, sort of building this raft of awareness, um, first he starts by talking about describing a flood, right? This, this water that you want to get from one side here to the other side. And he's just describing it. And he says, suppose, monks, there's a man journeying on a road and he sees a vast expanse of water, which on this shore is perilous and fearful, while on the other shore is safe and free from danger. But there's no boat for crossing, nor is there a bridge to go from this side to the other. So the man thinks, this is a vast expanse of water, and this shore is perilous and fearful, but the other side is safe and free from danger. There is, however, no boat here for crossing, nor a bridge for going from this side to the other. And so, essentially, this near shore that is fearful, right, and um, perilous is the shore where we're kind of engulfed in these forces of greed, hatred, and delusion. And the far shore is a place there's freedom from these forces, you know, that we can, we can reach there. Uh, we can get to that space, the Buddha says. And so what he goes on to say, the Buddha, is that um, to, to cross these floods, you can get across these floods. We don't make the floods stop. We don't build, you know, we don't have to, like, build a fancy helicopter to fly from one side to the other. We actually just, you know, build a raft. And he says, I suppose I gather reeds, sticks, branches, and foliage. So just normal stuff, nothing fancy, right? It's just an equivalent of what we can do with our awareness, with our minds, with our hearts. And so bind those things together to make a raft. And it's it's binding the practices and awarenesses and the, um, the work that we do in mindfulness that creates a raft for us. And it's that simple thing that gets us from this side to the other. And, of course, it takes effort. So it's, um, you know, he says, carried by that raft, laboring with hands and feet. So it's not like we just, you know, sit back. And it's like, no, we got to work, right? And it's doing that work he safely crosses to the other shore. So... To me, a big motivation for wanting to build such a raft of awareness is uh, really wanting to actually learn how to turn toward suffering rather to try and run away, which is which Ajahn Shah says so brilliantly, is actually running toward it. So 
you know, it's important um, for us to kind of come to know through our experience that when we work wisely with suffering, suffering, we can we can find ways to lessen, if not get free from that suffering, instead of making it worse. So, um, it's it's really helpful to have a desire to to want to understand what's going on in the mind. It's really helpful to want to to learn about you know, and to see through the thoughts and stories and the desires that come up for us. And uh, to practice because we want to understand. So, um, and what helps us understand is the sati, right? Building of mindfulness. Yeah. So now I want to kind of take apart... um, this all these pieces of how we build sati. Um, so it's uh, a practice with ardency, coupled with clear comprehension and awareness. So what is ardency? I liked. I found a Joseph Goldstein d- describes or provides a really beautiful description of ardency. And he says, ardent implies a balanced and sustained application of effort. So it is this effort we put in. But it also, he says, ardent suggests warmth of feeling. So, you know, I really think this is so important because so often when we put effort into something, we can just try and put a certain amount of what I'll call muscle into it. But we need to be attuned. It's more like playing an instrument, right? We're playing our heart strings, our mind strings, and we need to have a sense of uh, attunement and warmth and connection to to the effort that we're putting in. And this warmth, you know, he says a passionate and strong enthusiasm or devotion, right, is underneath because we realize the value and importance of something. So it's that that really wanting to, really caring, really wanting to know, wanting to understand, um, that helps us kind of create that warmth and the, you know, the resonance in the heart. So then there's this idea of clear comprehension, right? Which is actually, there's four components. You could do a whole talk on any one, or let alone all four of the components, but um, it's the components are thought to be the purpose, suitability, um, pasture, and non-delusion. So, the purpose of what we're wanting to do, um, the suitability of what we're doing to try and meet that purpose, the pasture meaning, like essentially, where were we resting our awareness? Where are we resting our attention? And non-delusion to do this with clarity, not to be deluded. That's a lot, right? And then, and then also there's, there's this covetousness, right? Put it, having put away covetousness and grief for the world. So, you know, covetousness obviously is showing a great desire to have something that belongs to somebody else, right? And grief for the world, you know, is the acute pain that accompanies loss or deep sorrow. So, 
what he's saying here is just this is quite something to construct, right? It's quite something to get our minds in this space that are is um, holding all of these qualities and is guided by all of this. And this is these are the sticks and the leaves and the pieces that um, we are working to bring together to get across the floods. So. Um, so this practice of raft, it's an acronym, R-A-F-T, and the R stands for recognize, the A for allow, the F for feel, and the T for tease apart. And so just, I'll, I'll walk us through this more, but essentially just, it's like, recognition right when we it's so important it's just seeing something like recognizing oh yeah i'm suffering here oh, oh there's a problem here i need to pay attention or seeing it in somebody else that is just that's coming into the moment right it's not being lost in a story it's coming back and recognizing what's right in front of us allowing is this quality of um really Wow, supported by so many, um, I think it's, it's allowing whatever is happening to, to have its life, to not be trying to get rid of it, right? To not be denying it, to try, not be trying to change it. In the moment of mindfulness, we're, we're trying to come into connection with what is already in existence. The F brings us into both the body and to the feeling tones, right? So these are the, um, we're talking now about the first two um, foundations of mindfulness. We're talking about bringing in awareness to the body and what we're experiencing, the feelings, the tensions, the energies, and the feeling tone of that, right? So is it pleasant, unpleasant, neutral, and um, just and, and this experience is done, um, we're trying to sort of connect with that primarily and not be so caught in the story, in the mental activity um, at that part. And then the, the teasing apart, we move into the third and fourth foundations of mindfulness where we're looking at mind states and mind objects. So uh, just in this practice, we've, <laughs> we're incorporating all four foundations of uh, the mindfulness and the teasing apart, um, you know, this part is, you know, the first coming into awareness and centering and awareness of the body and the sensations um, really can help us then turn to the next part, which is starting to pull apart the mental stuff that's going on. You know, trying to soften around all that and let things settle it's sort of like oh here's this story there's that belief oh there's that image there's that memory oh there's what i want all these things that get really tangled up and then are held in a space of like whatever our mind state is so if we're distressed if we're distraught you know how we see things so differently right when we're in a a a, a compromised state of mind. It's hard to problem solve. It's hard to see things clearly. So, um, 
And then just, uh, it's worth mentioning that this is sort of a, a, an alternative to a practice that's been used for quite a while and has been made popular by Western um, insight teachers um, such as Tara Brack, and that's the practice of RAIN. Have you ever heard about RAIN, R-A-I-N? Um, so it's just worth mentioning because there's differences, and sometimes, you know, uh, the other practice might be more useful for you. And you can go to Tara Brock's website if you, um, and she has lots and lots of practices with guidance for RAIN. But in the RAIN practice, you've got the recognizes the same. The A, I think there's more of an um, emphasis on acceptance instead of allowing. And then the I is for investigation versus in the raft, it's a feeling, right? So we're separating out the feeling part in the raft. Um, and then the N in reigns uh, initially started, stood out or was stood for non-identification or non-self. Um, and she has, Tara Brock has recently kind of converted it to meaning nourishment. So, but it's another nice practice for walking through. I don't think it, it, I don't think it has the, there's so much to the raft practice, um, that, uh, there's so much more there, I think, to help us untangle things if, if we're having a, a lot going on. But, um, I wanted to, to mention that. All right. So, um, Let's see. Um, another thing about working with any of these practices or as we're trying to establish the kind of awareness that will support us, you know, through our suffering is that, you know, it's always incredibly critical to reflect before we start to practice, while we're practicing, and after we're practicing. Because we may be putting together a certain kind of effort with a certain focus, but if if the effort and the focus aren't right in the moment, they're not going to keep us afloat. And if we just keep trying, we're just it's not going to change anything. So there's this. I just want to really say, if you try a practice and it's not working, adjust, fine tune your effort fine-tune what's motivating you, maybe shift. And if you're, let's say you're using the raft practice and, you know, you get into the feeling and you're just really struggling, you maybe need to go back to allowing. Maybe you need more time to sort of just let yourself settle with this is what's happening before you can move forward. So um, not, not all rafts work, right, for different situations. They're not all going to get you across the floods. It really depends on what, what's happening in the moment, right? So we have to be uh, skillful in this. All right. Any questions or comments thus far? Keep going? Keep going? All right. Yeah, yeah, great. The, the raft and the rain, are those are just systems. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go. Oh, yes. Please ask in the microphone. The the ra- the rain and the raft are just systems to use 
in order to help us with mindfulness practices? Yeah. Yeah. Essentially, they're um, kind of ways to progress with working with something, with an experience that we're having. Very often, it's going to show up as an emotion or suffering, and then it sort of helps us make our way through it and um, sort of uh, meet it in different ways. Yeah. I see. Cool. Thank you. Yeah. So... um, So I'll just kind of spend more time talking about these four pieces, these four parts. So with the raft, the recognize, right, that's the very first part. We're waking up to what's happening in the present moment. Um, And it can actually sometimes, I'll just say, sometimes that's all we need. Sometimes just purely noting and naming, recognizing what's happening, everything just lets go. There's just, it can be that simple. Um, and the, the clear comprehension of the purpose of this, you know, is really just to kind of notice what's happening, right? To try and understand. This is really the purpose. <laughs> and then, um, the, you know, there's these supports. I kind of looked at the supports of the ten perfections, the ten paramis in each of these, um, parts. And for me, truth just stands out so much with this part, just like the truth of seeing what's here. Right. And, um, all right. And then the A, um, is allowing. It's also, you know, used as accepting, but I think Gil kind of particularly emphasizes the allowing because sometimes it's really hard to accept what's happening. Right. Um, you know, can we, maybe it's more acceptable to say I'm going to allow myself to acknowledge this rather than accept it. Because somehow there's a, there might be in the mind a sense that accepting means agreeing and it may not be something we want to agree with. But, you know, um, with the AA, essentially we're using the capacity of vitaka, our aiming, our awareness. And, um, and so it's, it's in this moment we're going, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna work with you. I see you. Now I'm gonna work with you. I'm gonna aim my attention at you. I'm gonna focus in. And so we come into a wise relationship with what's happening. That's the invitation, right? That's the allowing. Um, it's already here, right? This is not something, you know, we're not creating something. We're actually trying to meet what's, what's already arisen. And, um, for those who are uh, like the acceptance idea or struggle with it a little bit, I think I like this quote, accepting the moment is simply a matter of experiencing the moment. Acceptance is nothing more than non-avoidance. Um, and, uh, and then here's a funny, funny quote, resistance is futile. You know, the Borg. <laughs> you know, just that's another kind of peace to help yourself like it's it, resisting it is futile right it's here so um the clear comprehension component of this is the suitability right so we're we're needing to kind of create a suitable way to relate to what's happening and so we can use of the 10 perfections i think loving kindness you know trying to generate a heart of loving kindness to meet generosity 
hugely, and a sense of commitment to morality, right? Those are three, three of the ten perfections that can support us in this practice. Um, and, you know, yeah, sometimes we need to sit with somebody a long time before we're ready to talk, right? So just judging and evaluating, you know, where you're at in your pacing in terms of not rushing through. And if you think you're ready and you move on and you need to go back, you know, it's a process that doesn't have to be completed all the way. There's various things that can drop away along the way, and you may get through one layer and come, you know, go a couple steps and be like, oh, I'm done, and then something else will come up and you keep working your way with it. But so now we're going to move into the F, the feel. And this is supported by Vikara, the su- sustained attention, right? We're really, good. we've aimed and now we're going to su- sustain our awareness and we're going to really bring it to the field of the uh, sensations and the feelings, the tension and the Vedana. Um, and what we want to do here is kind of release the story for a moment and just notice how we're being impacted by what's happening and really just experience it physically. And, you know, there's a huge amount of wisdom in the nervous system and in the body to help process through emotions, right? That just, it, the body knows what to do with them. If we create space, if we bring, you know, awareness that doesn't clamp down on something, emotions, you know, um, the word in Latin, emotion, right, to move, and E is out, so to move out, right, to let it move through us. Um, and so the of the ten perfections, um, well, the clear comprehension, so the current field is the body, right? So we're, we're really going to use an appropriate field to help us <laughs> with our practice. And um, let's see... And then the ten perfections that support us are energy, right? We're going to need to sustain our energy and patience. And now we're, you know, like I mentioned before, we're in the first and second foundations of mindfulness. And, um, you know, again, this can... Some people find it very easy to connect with what what's happening in their body. If they feel tension or upset about something, they can know right where it is. Other people, um, not so much. So, um, you know, it's not, uh, we just need to honor who we are. And, and if, uh, if we have a hard time recognizing what we're feeling in our bodies, it's good to just bring our awareness and hold the space where we can't feel it. Just giving, giving the mind the capacity to sort of try and, try and open up to the space with patience. Um, so at some point we'll feel a sense of readiness to move into the the you know third and fourth foundation of mindfulness which is working with the mind states and the mind objects. And so this is the T the teasing apart, right? And this is Dhamma Vikaya, it's investigation with composure and intimacy. It's virya attuning to the effort needed in this space. Um we're going to try and parse out what's wholesome from what's unwholesome that's arising in the mind. Um, 
And um, we're going to work with what's self-evident, immediately apparent, what's present, right? And then uh, the clear comprehension is, this one is really, it's like really into that non-delusion, right? Really seeing with clarity. Um, Yeah, and so the questions we might ask ourselves in this space to help elicit some clarity are, how am I maintaining a sense of myself in this? constructing a sense of self in this? Um, what are the limitations or what is the suffering in the situation? Um, how is it conditioned, right? And how might it change? And, you know, essentially, I think for me, it's very helpful to just kind of remind myself it's not me. This feeling is not who I am. Um, you know, this identity is not my only identity. It's impermanent and it's suffering. So using those, those characteristics really help. And the ten perfections that support our insight, resolution, and renunciation. So here we are seeing with wisdom and we have a certain amount of resolution that's necessary to help us let go and, and then to renounce. So we're looking in this state also in that third and fourth foundation of mindfulness on the remembering mood states, you know, mind states are like filters. It's like if we're wearing sunglasses, it tempers, it colors what we see. And so if we have a mind that's depressed, if we have a mind that's angry or sad, it is going to color how we see things. It will change what we notice. So recognizing this is incredibly important. And then looking for the five hindrances, the four noble truths, um, you know, just using those to help us um, kind of parse things apart. And then in, uh, just in ending here, I'll just say there's, uh, for me, what I add is an extra T at the end. <laughs> and the extra T is because for me it's incredibly important important to notice the impact of the practice. So I call it like my taste of freedom. I'm going to notice my taste of freedom here. You know, uh, is there less stress as a result of the raft, right, this process I've gone through? Is there more trust and faith in the practice? Can I notice? Can I see the results, right? And, um, you know, really let myself experience the reduction of stress, the pleasure of renunciation, the experience of ease, right, that might might have opened up for me in this process. Um, and like I said, I, I think this is really important because this is what sort of helps um, us really learn, really take in, and really grow our faith from a, a, a you know early kind of a blind faith to a confidence in the practice and a confidence in our capacity to meet our suffering. And, um, you know, to me, again, clear comprehension, right? This is, you know, this is non-delusion that we reach. And of the perfections, it's equanimity um, that, that can be, you know, kind of touched into. And there's parts of the fourth foundation as well. And um, so it's, uh, that's the process. <laughs> And, um, you know, that's uh, one way to guide yourself through, through suffering. So any, any other questions or comments? 
I was so good, huh? No questions. <laughs> That's great. But I'm happy if there are any other thoughts or. Well, I'll make a comment. I liked your idea about uh, adjusting things with the raft. Mm -hmm. It reminded me that I had read about when uh, Thor Heyerdahl was trying to make a raft to get to the um, Easter Island. Uh huh. That when he used bolts to hold the timbers together, there wasn't enough, enough flexibility, and the thing actually broke apart. I love it. Make it. So then he figured out, well, how would they have actually done it? And by uh, doing binding with ropes, the raft had enough flexibility that it was able to make it to uh, Easter Island. That is such a great story, Jim, because it, it's so, you know, if you think about the effort, right, like a bolt, a bolt is something that you think is really strong and hard, right? And you're just, you're going to really hold it together. And if you're facing something difficult, that's the tendency, right? To kind of really, and then we just break. We need, we, we need some resilience. We need some flexibility. We've got to, you know, the, 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 the waters, <laughs> the waters can be rough. Yeah. And if there's too much rigidity, we'll get exhausted or boat falls apart. Love it. Thank you. Okay. Any other comments? Beautiful. Well, thank you so much for being here and for your practice. And um, I wish you wish you safety, wish you happiness, healthiness, and ease. And may the benefit of our practice be for the benefit of all beings everywhere without exception.